Hello and welcome. This is Mish Daniel from Revolve Commercial. I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. We are going to be sharing with you some fantastic pieces of information. So whether you're driving or out walking your dog or just want to learn, I really appreciate you being here. And I commend you for taking the time out of your busy day to invest in your knowledge of the commercial property industry. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. And just for those newcomers, I help investors generate cash flow on autopilot by acquiring high yielding commercial properties to help you grow your successful portfolio. So let's get into it straight away. Today I've got the lovely Rene on board with us and we're going to be discussing how you can grow a $10 million portfolio with just a couple of properties. Now Rene and I have been having fabulous conversations about this uh, but the best part is that you, our fantastic audience, um, have been sending in some questions, and we're going to run through three of the top questions that you've been sending through. They're fairly extensive, and we could drill down for probably about three hours on each question. So we're just going to um, gloss over them, give you as much information as we possibly can. And the top three questions that have come in have been, uh, is it possible to achieve a $10 million portfolio and what are the strategies? What is the best way to balance my property portfolio uh, with minimum risk and optimum uh, cash flow? And what is the easiest and simple way? How can Revolve Commercial help me at every single stage? So for those of you that don't know who I am, my name is Mish Daniel from Revolve Commercial. I've been dabbling in real estate for the past 35 plus years. I started out in residential properties and my passion is uplift property. I cannot look at a property without seeing how I can develop it or lift it up or renovate it. I drive down the road, I ride on my bicycle looking at properties and fantasizing <laughs> uplift properties and gee, what you can do with that and fantastic. Wow, imagine doing that. <laughs> So I live in the, the world of uplift properties and I absolutely love them. I'm going to introduce you to our lovely Renee Thomas, who is um, our very own asset management specialist. Renee, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for making time to join us today. Thank you, Mish. Thank you. And look, I'm just as probably bad as you, although I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of an uplifter, but I'm definitely a visionary in the sense of, you know, what you could do with that property, what it can become, how the market is changing, very much so. So I, I sympathise there with your, um, you know, your passion. Uh, it can rule our lives a bit, can't it? Lucky we work in the industry, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous discussions about this stuff that we love and we enjoy. We, we, well, look, I was doing this before I was even doing this, literally. So, yes, I too, like you, started out in residential and then thought that, you know, commercial was the impossible dream and have not only looked for plenty of clients um, for commercial real estate, but have also dabbled in it and started to buy into it myself in the last few years. So I'm going to actually share a story today um, yeah. of one of our clients whom um, – whom I met up with probably about four or five years ago, um, and he had he had a huge amount of of residential properties, about eighteen residential properties, um, and it was it was pretty hard going convincing him that um, he could he could 
amass a portfolio of 10 million with, within, let's say, two years, 18 months to two years with the type of portfolio that he had. Anyway, it didn't take too much because when I started showing him the numbers and I started showing him how he could be earning the cash flow and how he could be doing a rinse and repeat, he fast came on board and um, he actually bought up four properties in uh, 18 months and his portfolio got him to $10 million. So we've done this a couple of times with a, with a, a couple of our clients, um, uh, but I would say that his portfolio was probably the fastest um, that we did. So I am going to take you through a case study and show you that. Can I just pause you there, Mish, because like I'm assuming in my head that those 18 properties that he has been building in the residential market have probably taken him nearly a decade or probably more. He had those properties probably for about 15 years and he'd been buying them slowly. They were all residential yeah. properties. Some of them had development um, potential. But what people don't realize is when you're buying a property with development potential, if you don't have the cash flow to develop the property, how do you actually get to develop the property? And developing a property is really expensive and yeah. you need holding income and you need development, um, a development team. The time factor is the thing that amazes me. Like within four years, he's got to 10 million with you. Yet on his own in residential, it was 15 years just to get to 18 properties. Which were probably, Which were nowhere near a 10 million mark is what I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming they're probably, a, a, you know, a couple of million in there. But 10 million in four years, as opposed to 15 years in residential, with probably nowhere near 10 million. Now, I'm not. I'm familiar with what the client had, but I would guess it was probably a three to four million, maybe a five if he was lucky, but that's triple the time and half the amount. You're pretty close. I think it was worth about six or eight million thereabout. To be quite honest with you, I didn't go into what the value of the property was, but what I can tell you is a lot of those properties were neutral and verging on negative and this is the big thing, you see, because with that, he had hit the ceiling. He couldn't get any more lending without chucking more money into it himself, okay? Yeah. And, and that is a huge, huge factor. Um, it's the cash flow. So when I showed him with the volume of the properties that he had and the value of the properties that he had, when I showed him what he could be doing in commercial, he was like in total disbelief. And he said, all right, let's give it a go. Let's try it out. So, yeah. uh, and that's why I thought it's, you know, important to show a case study um, of, of how we flip these properties and how we flick these properties. Now, bearing in mind that this was in um, 2017, 2018, so it was a journey that started towards the end of 2017 that went into 2018. So it was pre-COVID. It was when the market was sitting at an average of around about 7% for good assets. Um, so, it's very much a matter of the right asset and at the right timing. Imagine though he had waited and waited and waited as some of people are sitting there going, oh, I'm not really sure. I think I'll just wait a bit more. I don't know how many forms of mine are like, I'll just wait the market out. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, get in now. Don't wait. <laughs> it's, it's like the analogy of a farmer saying, when's the best time to plant a tree? The best time would have been 25 Thank years ago. Exactly, exactly. 10 years ago, you know, if you want to reap the rewards, do it now so exactly. that you can reap those rewards when the tree grows. My strategy is always, if you're coming into commercial property for the first time, I always say, 
Make it simple. Let's give you a property that's going to give you the cash flow, that you get to learn how commercial works, because commercial is really understanding business. And if you're not a business person, you know, it's a whole new learning for you. So understand how the commercial property works. Um, learning about it in courses and online is one thing, but actually getting your feet wet and doing it yourself is something completely different. So <laughs> we recommend that you jump into a property that is fairly set and forget, easy to understand, gives you that cash flow. The diversification of the portfolio is across the three sectors. So always good to make sure that you're hedging your bets. And the three sectors are industrial, retail, and office. Okay. And why do I say that? <laughs> because all you need to do is just look at history and yeah. history repeats itself. You know, uh, when was it at the GFC two, um, in 2008, you couldn't give industrial properties away. They were plentiful. You know, now look at the market today. You can't buy industrial yeah. properties anywhere. They're in yeah. such short supply. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The market cycles. You've got to be ready to be a, a ahead of the cycle or, you know, have the, have a bit of vision or a bit of guidance or, you know, to, to see what's coming and, and see the market. And and like you said, often it, you know, what what's not the flavor of today turns out to be the very the very dish that everyone's after next week. Absolutely. And if you've got your fingers in all of those pies, just keep just keep them balanced, keep them going. And realistically, you can do any uplift strategy in any of those sectors. Rena, I want to just um, uh, uh, show a quick case study of um, purchasing a couple of properties and getting to that. Uh, it's just sub 10 million. Um, but in actual fact, we went right over 10 million with this client. This was a property bought in Zilmia. It was purchased for 1.6 million. At a rental income of 169,140. Um, we did the uplift on the property and we increased the rental income to 184,997. That was the gross annual income. The net income was 116,545 and the uplift took it to 132,402. So the purchase price, um, it was a bit of a negotiation. We did quite a lot of argy-bargy. It was a two-month negotiation, and we got this property at 7.28%. After the uplift, the property, the yield went up to 8.28%, and the value of the property went up, get this, to 2.2 million. Uh, so it was actually 2.206,700 was the value of the property, and that, this we did in less than 12 months. So... Wow, a whopping yeah. uplift of over 400,000 on just one property. And it's important people understand, like, there is a bit of work that goes on here, yes, to get that uplift happening, but you don't have to put in hard yards. You don't have to do, you know, you're not out there doing backwards and toilets. Yeah. <laughs> you're not doing another three jobs to make this happen. This this is happening on your behalf. It's un it's unearned. You're it's just increasing from doing nothing but sitting there and you continuing watching Netflix. I, get, I think they get a little bit confused about the capital gain that you can get on properties, and you don't ne necessarily have to be doing like you know a crazy amount of work. You might have to do some minor things or adjust leases or you know put in an aircon or or whatever. But it it's not a stupid amount of work. It's not like you're building another uh, you know putting another house on a block of land of residential 
and the craziness that goes with that in order to get a small increase in your year. What would you say are like the do the do's and don'ts of of this sort of stuff? Like for you, when you talk about uplift, what what are you talking about? Well, here's a perfect example. The second property was a purchase of 1.725 million. Okay, this again was a was a tough negotiation, and uh, with the rental income of $184,127,000. Now, this was a 10% yielding property. However, the do's and don'ts on this uh, on this property in particular, and most properties, we identified that the problem was with the tenants, that the problem, the, the tenants were disgruntled. The tenants didn't have proper leases. They hadn't been treated very well. So we did very, very little to the property itself, to the bricks and mortar. We didn't have to renovate bathrooms. We didn't have to put in extra kitchens. We just went in there and it was all about relationship building. It was all about having a look at their leases, getting that they were all on short-term leases. Some of them didn't even have leases. Um, so it's the knowledge of knowing how to do that, of of working with the tenants. Some of them wanted to vacate. We went back and had the discussion with them to give them value, add value. And in some cases, they wanted new carpets or they wanted walls painted or they wanted air cons, better air cons. And we negotiated with them. We said, sure, we'll give you a new lease. We'll give you your air cons, your, your, your painted walls. We'll do the cleanups. There was an issue with, with some some bins and, you know, tidying things up around the property. And by adding three plus three plus three year leases to their, um, to their rentals, it increased the values tenfold. So by the time the valuer came uh, along and had a look at their property, the bank sees three plus three year leases. They love that. They're going to, they're going to give you lending on that sort of asset any day. Yeah. So yeah. the net value of the property went up to 3.239 million, bearing in mind we bought it at 1.7. So this client made a chunk of cash out of this property, <laughs> let alone the valuation that came in round about that price, which meant that he can actually go back to this property, draw down the equity and do it again. And that's exactly yeah. what he did in this case. That's like a, a massive um, misconception, isn't it? Like there are a lot of misconceptions that people have about commercial real estate. Completely. I mean, people miss miss the the, the ball completely. Um, look, it is difficult to do the stuff, and you need to know what you're doing. You know, it's yes. it's not just any Joe blogs. If you if you don't know what you're doing, you can re- get really really stung. I'll tell you a little story yes. about um, a client of mine that uh, bought a property. It was a, a $2 million property, um, had about 14 tenants. So it was a retail property and thought, great, happy days. The problem was that um, most of the tenants were on short-term leases. As the time went on, the tenants were only renewing the leases by 12 months, which meant that the value of the property wouldn't go up by virtue of the fact that she had short-term leases. Now, this is something that you can't do in residential. So very little has to be done to the bricks and mortar and the structure of the property itself. The entire value of that property was on the leases. When she managed to get three-year leases out of, um, she got three-year leases out of nine of those tenants that were on one-to-ones, the value of the property went up exponentially. And again, that is where she has the opportunity to do an equity drawdown and to go and rinse and repeat. 
they don't understand that they and they don't understand like in a residential you can't say oh, i want to put you on a five-year lease now that's not a possibility it's not allowed it makes a difference though in the eyes of the bank they go okay this is a much more secure investment and because this is someone's business this is where they make their money to be able to live that's you know it, it's another added layer well for me i feel it's another la- added layer of protection because they've got a vested interest in maintaining that property they've got a vested interest in presenting it properly customer service you know making it somewhere to do business that people enjoy and will want to keep coming back uh, you know you didn't have the oddball that's a bit doesn't quite think like that but they're few and far between because this is someone's livelihood so you know their livelihood it, it, they will not usually you know sacrifice that in any way so I think we're in, in residential, if they don't like the pool or they don't like whatever and they can't change it, they just move. They don't sign for five years. And that, that's another thing that I love about commercial too, that shed, industrial shed, could very well one day turn into a medical suite just due to the location and the natural, you know, changing or gentrification of an area that we've seen that happen. So that doesn't often happen in residential you know you don't very very rarely do you see a house turn into a medical suite so you know i I love the commercial how they it it can start off as one story or one particular type of building and it can turn into so many others but that's very difficult to do in residential you know renee i mean we could talk about the speed of growing your portfolio yes and we we touched on it earlier where the client had um 18 residential properties over a period of, of 15 years versus buying four commercial properties in just under two years and adding tremendous value, having a $10 million portfolio. It was, it was $10 million plus a portfolio. Um, and to rinse and repeat, to do this again and again. It most certainly is a fast way and a slow way. And um, look, I always I always start clients off on a slightly slower way, like I said, just to stick your feet in and, and get used to it. Um, but if you've yeah. got the grit and you understand real estate, hell, go the fast way. There might be a little bit more risk involved uh, and a lot of trust. And you've got to understand this is the kind of thing that we've been doing for years. <laughs> I started doing this at the age of 22 years old. Um, it's the first thing. First thing that I learned about real estate is how to make an existing building better. You know, yes. my father was a builder. He was an architect. Uh, and as a little girl, he, I was hanging out with him when he went out to buildings and he used to show me this stuff all the time. So uh, my apprenticeship is, thank you, Dad. So we have another case study. This was a property that was purchased at... Um, 1.25 million. It had a net income of $174,000 and a little bit of change. It was a cleanup. It was a lease renewal. It was adding value by giving tenants certainty. Now, so you got to understand something when you, when I'm talking about adding value and offering a tenant a three plus three plus three term on their lease, the value is to the tenant, not the landlord. So in other words, if the landlord wants to get rid of their tenant, it's going to be very difficult. So it's giving the tenant certainty that they have got this the premise for the next three to nine years at their option. So the option is theirs. It's their choice. Now, there are a couple of things about this because in this, this um, case study in particular, 
we had a couple of tenants that were selling their businesses and they wanted to run their lease out to sell their business. When we sat down with them, we said, hey, if you're selling your business, put your, your feet in somebody else's shoes. If they come along and they want to buy the business, wouldn't it be better for them if they had certainty and security around the fact that the landlord's not going to kick them out? Yeah. So the best thing to do is to sign a five-year lease. Give them that certainty. And that's exactly what happened in this case where um, we got the tenants, the existing tenants, to sign longer uh, term leases. And as a result, we had a massive uplift. And this property was reevaluated at 3.4 million. So it went from 1.250 to 3.4 million. That is a massive uplift. And that is, yeah. that is a, a, a true example of working smartly with your tenant, with your building, and knowing how to do this in order to create that uplift. It's kind of like uh, knowing how to do the do's and don'ts. I think most certainly the, the don'ts are to uh, walk into a property with a lot of ego and, and start throwing your weight around with the tenants because they most certainly are not going to like that. <laughs> Bearing in mind that, that, that you need to realize that when you're buying a, a commercial property, one of, your, one of the biggest fear factors is the tenant who's going to say, oh, what are they buying the property for? Are they going to yeah. throw me out? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. one of the first things you want to do is a do <laughs> to go in and make friends with your tenant, find out about them, engage yeah. with them, how their business is doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want to do is, is um, shake the tree, make too many changes. You want to show the tenant that you want to work with them, that you want them to, to thrive and you want to assist them for their businesses to thrive. It's like buying a commercial business. It's like buying any business. If you go in there and you make massive changes straight away, everybody's going to be very unsettled. They're going to be very nervous about it. So slowly, baby steps. Walk, work with one person at a time, adding that value. It's important to know what the tenant wants too. Like I've often seen landlords go, well, I'm just going to put in new toilets. But in actually fact, the tenants don't want new toilets. They want an awning out the front because... They want to, you know, extend their eating area. or So I think it's much better to go in and build a rapport and relationship with the tenants so you know what it is they want. So don't don't cost yourself a fortune in doing new toilets when the reality is they don't care about the toilets. They want an awning in order to expand their business and do a better turnover, which makes them, you know, a better tenant. They're going to stay there longer. They're going to be more invested. So that, that's definitely a, a wise do there, make friends, not, not enemies, and, and get to know them and their businesses and what they want. And if you have a good property manager, they will definitely be doing that on your behalf. But if you don't, I agree, don't go in with ego, go in and, and tread lightly and get to know who are these people within this building and, and the life that they have. Finding a good prop property manager is worth more than their weight in gold. Seriously, a property manager in uh, commercial is is going to make or break your deal. And we've actually just been through an experience very recently where um, uh, one of the property managers had a, a very disturbing disagreement with one of the tenants. And the tenants uh, just said, well, that's it. If that's the way that you're going to treat me, he blacked off his windows. Uh, he was still on lease. And he stripped and ripped that entire, it was a retail shop, it was a, a cafe, he stripped and ripped the entire cafe, he stripped and ripped all the fit, fittings and fixtures, and on the day that he had to leave, 
he opened the doors and walked out with everything. And he was doing this overnight. The, the property manager knew what was going on, but didn't have the gumption to walk in there and stop him. And as a result of that, that was a $25,000 loss to the owner for that, for that, that fit out. Okay. <laughs> now, that property manager should have been actioning that straight away. And what does that do? I mean, a $25,000 loss in, um, in, in fit out is loss in income, which has bearing on the value of your property. You know, if your property is going to go down in value, it's, it's going to affect your, your yield. It's going to affect your income. It's going to affect your lending rate. So there's a whole knock-on effect that most definitely having a property manager that understands and is compassionate and can work with your tenant at the same time being firm. It goes without, without saying. The, 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 the next question that um, our audience have sent in, and again, I want to say thank you to you guys for sending in these questions. Um, we really appreciate it and we appreciate your feedback. So thank you so much for, uh, for your feedback. Um, and I have a big favor to ask, and that is, for you, our lovely audience, whom I absolutely love and appreciate and, and want to thank you for joining us. If you wouldn't mind, just um, click on the like button, give us a rating, let us know if you're enjoying these podcasts. I'd really like to get your feedback while you're busy listening or if you have a moment afterwards. So it's a little bit of an ask. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw that in, you, in there. I hope we are adding value to your life. I hope we are adding value by, by giving you um, these little hints and tips. Um, so I'm just asking you to do that one little favor for us. So what is the what is the best way to balance your portfolio um, with optimum risk and return? Well, we've we've have kind of discussed it, uh, and the best way to balance your portfolio is to is to have investments in every single sector and to have really really good management, and don't just let your property go. Keep an eye on it. Know what's going on at all times. Show love and compassion to your to your tenants wherever you possibly can. Yeah, and definitely check in with your property manager too. I mean, there's nothing like a phone call from the owner to say, "Hey, what what what's going on? Where are we at?" And and you'll get a you know a guess then of whether they've been there or whether they've been what they've been doing and what's been happening. I think that's important to check in as well. Um, with the property manager but yes definitely well Rena, you actually work in that area now don't you I mean <laughs> you you work on the ground with the with the tenants uh, and uh, I have to say you've been absolutely phenomenal working with these tenants and handling their I'm going to say it politely difficult complaints <laughs> yeah. Yeah. how do you deal with those how do you deal with those difficult complaints? You know, those questions they always throw to you at job interviews, like what's your greatest strength and what's your greatest weakness? Mine is the same thing. It's people. I really like people, but at the same time, I could just bury my head in the sand and be an ostrich and go, why are you being so difficult? Um, but I look, I have to remember that it, it takes all kinds in the world. And um, and sometimes, you know, what what I perceive as being difficult is just the way that they people have learned to deal with things. So I always really like to go, and put my feet on the ground and go and eyeball the tenant and go, look what's going on. Because I know people have bad days and, you know, they're running their businesses and things stress them out and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So I'm very much big on feet on the ground and talking to your tenant and finding out what's going on uh, and being available and listening to their ideas and concerns. You know, there have been times where um, 
it's just something really basic. Like I said, you know, they don't want a new toilet. They want to lock on the door instead. They, so, you know, some lands, landlords are like, well, I'll pay for this and I'll do that. And I'm like, well, actually, they don't want you to spend $15,000 on new tiles on the toilet. What they want is a better lock on there. That's 150 bucks. That's it. Do you know what I mean? It, it, may, it helps. And obviously, you know, if you're a landlord and you're interstate and COVID and things like that haven't helped, you can't be there on the ground. You can't go and have those quick conversations. So it's really important that your property manager, I, I feel, is open and accessible and happy to chat and and because it, it's relationship building. You're As much as there's equipment and stuff in there at the end of the day, it always comes down to the person. It's the person that I'm dealing with. You once told me a, a really interesting story about a man and a dog. It was a, 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 a tenant that was particularly difficult and he lived in the back of his uh, industrial warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and every single property manager that the owner had had just said, no, too hard. They're not going to deal with this guy. They're not prepared to deal with the tenant. Uh, and you decided to take it upon yourself to go and see what was happening. And you met the bloke and you met his dog. <laughs> and you you managed to actually, you single-handedly managed to renegotiate his rent plus options by just recognizing who the guy was. You used yeah. that and you were the only person that managed to get him to sign another lease. And um yeah. To, to smooth the waters. From your perspective, I mean, um, you know, in Revolve Commercial, we like to surround ourselves with people who have heart and passion. Yeah. And I love that story because it is, it's very much about um, who we are as a team and how we do our business. So the easiest way of, um, of doing what, what, you know, getting into revolve commercial, getting into, sorry, getting into um, property, commercial real estate, it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know, largely, you know, and being able to leverage off a great team. Look, who you know and how you know as well. Like, you know, how, how do I know that that guy's strength and his weakness was his dog? Because I didn't, you know, I, I looked at what it was that he loved. He might have hated me as the real estate agent, but I looked at him as a human. But what is it that he loves? What is it that brings him joy? What is it that makes him happy? What is it that makes this the ideal spot for him that he would want to stay? Well, everyone else was looking at that dog and going, oh, I don't like that dog. Oh, it's a weakness. I'm not going to go there near that dog. But I knew that that was the love of his life just about. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I think the way that the team works is great. And, you know, I love, though, that because I can't be the be-all and end-all. Now, if I have an issue with something, I do get to call back in and go, let me talk to the solicitor. I don't understand this. Or let me go and have a conversation with the broker and find out exactly what the length of the lease is that the bank wants in order to make them happy. Like, I really love the touch points back into the team if I need that because I can't be everything. And it's impossible for me to be a lawyer doctor dentist real estate agent and everything else that I may need to be in my life so yes it's it's important to have that team around you that you can access them you can get the information because we cannot all be you know the the master of all things so um we do have a process that we go through um we invite you to to join the process and uh, in finding a property it's 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 it really is as Renee said, it's a team sport, uh, finding the perfect acquisition for you. Um, we've got a team that that purely specializes in sourcing, um, in those pre-negotiations. Um, we've got, we, we need to 
ensure that we're matching your criteria as close as possible. And to be quite honest with you, it's not a perfect picture. Those properties could be all over the country and present various different things. So we do our best at giving you exactly what you want. However, um, it's always there always going to be red flags and then we're going to, there's going to be challenges. So um, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, the reality is that um, not everybody can can get exactly the same property. And unless you're buying in a development, brand new properties, then fine. That is um, a rinse and repeat. But in terms of um, in commercial properties, different areas, different locations, different different tenants, different leases, there's so many different um, aspects. You know, they've all got their different nuances. The process that we follow is um, sourcing the property we assist you with the contracts, assist you with the legals. Once we're on contract, we would do the due diligence and go through the whole process of, of due diligence on the building, on the inspections, um, the legal side of the, the due diligence from A to Z. We take it right through to settlement and then and beyond that. So in other words, um, management and what Renee was talking about is um, just ensuring that you're getting the best value. And in doing the management and assisting you with the management is where you're going to get your uplift. Purchasing the property is step one. Working with the tenants and with the leases is step two. And that's where you're going to get your double whammy of value out of your property. Okay. Yeah. So I always say that commercial property is a 10-year investment, minimum 10-year investment. And the reason why I'm saying that is because of that, the second step. Um, and, and as you can see by the case studies that I've shown you today, that every single one of those case studies, we added value after the purchase. Definitely. And and with the property matching to you as well, like I really like, like we try to understand you, you, the client, you, the buyer, where you are in life, because it, it's funny how like... You know, some people might work in a certain industry, so they're familiar with it and that's what they want to buy or that's the where they want to go or, you know, they might have grown up with grandma and granddad running a fish and chip shop, so they're quite familiar with that. So they want something like that in their mix. Like it's, because again, at the day, wherever you've got a human, you've always got a story and you've always got to understand well, how does it relate to them and what is it that they want. And we, you know, we we give you that and we give you the guidance on that. And, and again, even though you might be pulled in one direction because of memory lane, you do have the support of the team to go, well, actually, memory lane is great that you want the fish and chip shop, but over here we've got a, a line of shops that are going to pull you more money than memory lane. Like it's important, like we take you into account, but we also give you the best option for you, not anyone else. Um, so I, I you know, love that about Revolve. And it's a numbers game. You know, we're always going to look at it and say, look at the numbers, you know, get the emotional emotions out the way, look at the numbers. Incidentally, when you do come on board with us, uh, we offer training, we give a lot of, uh, a, a lot of free uh, services, we've got uh, what we call the VIP list, which um, is usually at a, at a cost if you want to join the VIP list and you're not a member of, of Revolve Commercial, there's, uh, it, it would come at a cost. When you join, we give that to you free of charge. And what that basically is, is a selection of between 15 to 20 properties a month that um, we personally go through and we put onto that list. And they are properties free, free for you to go and click on, to engage, to uh, and to purchase. There's a training program that you get together with it. 
And of course, the best part is joining the community, okay? Getting involved in the community. So if anybody would like to join and find out more, um, go to revolvecommercial.com.au, book a call. You can go through and there's a eight short eight question sequence that we've put together where we can find out a little bit about you so that we can help you. Even if you, if you're not ready to be buying a commercial property right now, just reach out to us. Let's see how we can help you. There's so many, there's so many options uh, and we're involved in so many options. You'd be amazed uh, what is out there. If you don't have the money, if you don't have the skills, if you don't have the, the education, there's a wealth of uh, opportunities that uh, we, we're still offering. So go to revolvecommercial.com.au, book a call, have a conversation, get educated. You know, just one conversation could steer you in an avenue that you had never thought that you could get into. Thank you for joining us on the Revolve Commercial Property Podcast. Don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial where we share weekly updates on positive cash flow commercial properties currently on the market and how to acquire them. So go to Cashflow on Autopilot with Revolve Commercial or www.revolvecommercial.com.au.